Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have some amazing guests. You will recognize them as as some people that have really shaped the modern world. And uh, you will know Mark and Crystal Hansen, who have been part of your life. Uh, they have been visionaries and authors in your own right. Mark has been the co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And he also uh, co-wrote the book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, which is really a phenomenal book. It's a very simple concept. But what makes it brilliant is the difficulty it has in implementing it. Because really... None of us are great at asking. And the better we are at asking, the better we are at doing things. So, so Mark, let's just flip the page a couple of years back to you being in the driver's seat for the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Tell me a little bit about your difficulty in getting it out there and how a phenomenal success came about out of that difficulty. <laughs> I love the way you set it up. I, I get to be in the driver's seat. Dr. Canfield wouldn't agree with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll ask him the same question in a different way. <laughs> no, you can ask. Jack is wonderful and a close dear friend and third in his class at Harvard. But the truth is, nobody wanted the book. They said, no, those are nicey, nice stories. We got 144 rejections. And jokingly, I say, it's all because they all said, hit the road, Jack. I'm the nice guy here. You shouldn't kick me out of your <laughs> office. Random house or wherever. And they all made a terrible mistake because we made a publisher, HCI, a billion dollars. We sold 500 million plus books that were in uh, 44 languages. And it just... It has been a phenomenon. Crystal and I have had the good pleasure of being in China, uh, me a little more than her, 80 times before COVID and before we found out the CCP is deceitful. Um, I know I shouldn't do anything political, but the fact of the matter is I've had a great run with chicken soup. We did I created the billion dollars for licensing, like we did $157 billion, a million dollars worth of uh, dog food. We do chicken soup for this dog food, and it's a long story, but it's been wonderful. It's been a terrific ride. And one that, uh, you know, I had, I teach the, and I did seminars there while you were doctoring. I was busy uh, doing the Achiever Seminar and got Achiever of Canada Award a couple of times and with everybody else. So I, I am a great fan of all of Albertans and uh, they've been superb to me and great book buyers, by the way, because you're God's great frozen people and you've got nothing to do but read in the frozen winter. Uh, your books are largely success, uh, responsible for my success. You know, you, uh, because of your books, I wrote a lot as a cosmetic doctor and I wrote 17 books as a cosmetic surgeon. So I was one of the best written doctors on the aspects of cosmetic surgery, all from the encouragement you gave me. I am deeply thankful. Thank you. <laughs> I, the, the, the goal is to, you know, we want to, our, our premise statement, our visionary statement was we want to change a whole world one story at a time. And, and uh, you know, this is today's 
chat with you is not about uh, chicken soup because we sold it and did really, really well with that on top of doing well with it and doing products and doing, getting paid fortunes to do seminars, both Jack and I, um, it is, uh, it has been a really good thing. Jack's a little bit older than me by five years. So, okay. Uh, bless him. So I'm going to turn the spotlight on Crystal for a few minutes because <laughs> ladies first, and, and I want her to say some of the things that she's really well known for. Uh, she is known in, in the field of her expertise is in the field of human potential. And, and through her years, she's been a transformational life coach, a wellness and nutritional expert. And, and she's had profound effect on people in transforming their relationships, their careers, their health and wellness, and by tapping into their inner resources, the, the, the big things that everybody's into. And, and she really feels that, you know, people are, that all people have unlimited potential for their greatness. And, and that's what we need to tap into. So let's expand on that for a few minutes, Crystal. Yes. Well, um, you know, I just, I guess I, I was drawn to it because I always saw inside of people when I, I used to be in the real estate industry. And even when I was doing that, um, I was start, I would start to write life plans for people because everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. We all come to the table with our own baggage, but I always intuitively could see sort of a path through that and out of it. And so that's what got me interested when I went back to study um, psychology. I thought I'd get my degree in that, but um, I started looking into hypnotherapy, life coaching, and then I took, I changed my direction and went into all these um, alternative modalities because what I found is they were so quick in um, resolving whatever it was that was holding someone back um, from the greatest expression of themselves, the greatest expression for which they were made. And I love that, you know, I, I, I after I opened my practice, um, I started having people come to me who'd been, been going to psychological counselors their entire lives, essentially for depression, anxiety, things like that. And uh, one of my worst cases was um, a woman who had grown up in a severely abusive home, her mother had, uh, she had a memory of her mother, like grabbing her by the foot and swinging her around and throw, you know, into the refrigerator when she was little. And then her mom left her, left the family for good. And then her dad didn't know what to do with them. So he loaded the girls up, took them to the relatives and said, I don't know what to do with these kids. You take care of them and left them. So she had just this profound sense of rejection, unworthiness. And um, even though she carried a great job always, she would wake up every day feeling like she wanted to die. She heard me on a radio show and she said, literally, you're my last hope. I, I feel like you can help me. I wake up every day feeling like I shouldn't be alive, that I, I should be, I should die. And so we did some work. And after five appointments together um, using, I combined modalities. I studied uh, emotional freedom technique, you know, all of the life coaching work that I had studied, uh, hypnotherapy, combining all of those things. After five appointments, she said, I can honestly, I, I thank God, first of all, for the day I heard you on the radio. And I can honestly say that I'm completely free of the crushing depression I've experienced my entire life. I can wake up now and just have a bad day. And it's just a bad day. And that's all. And the next day is something completely different. So um, the work that you can do is so profound when you understand how these issues are created inside of our minds because of the way our brains are, are set up to store memories 
And once you get a clear picture that a lot of who you think you are are real is really just about the stored memories that you're carrying. And most of those stored memories, oftentimes they don't have much truth in them. And sometimes they have almost no truth in them. You know, so these stories that we're repeating and playing back at the subconscious levels of our mind are really holding us in these paradigms that don't allow us to come out and be who we're supposed to be in this life, to be everything we were meant to be in this life. And so it is the most rewarding work that I could ever imagine is just to like release a human being from their shackles. And I I just love the work. You do. And you said and quote you, this is not just another day, but a chance to make your dreams come true. That, That is profound. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Every day, every day is a chance to make your dreams come true. And, and you know, uh, that, that's important. That's really important that you can make your dreams come true. And th- to my mind, there are two driving forces in all this. The two driving forces that drive us forward are fear and love. You as a couple profoundly show the love aspects and you bring that love to everybody, but not just to each other, but right. you really expound on that to your audiences and to people out there you give gifts to them in the way of your knowledge and your speaking and you spend time with them which is very important thank you well we appreciate that acknowledgement and uh it's fun for us we uh there's nothing more important you can do than to positively impact another human being and so when mark and i um sat down to start writing our book it was our first co-authored book the book ask from your the bridge from your dreams to your destiny. And, uh, you know, we said, what, what are the tools? What are these simple tools? Cause people come to us all the time. Like, how do you guys, how do you be you, you know, what do you do? What are the, what are the secrets? And so we started really, we have this hour long prayer meditation time in the morning that we spend. And we ask each other these questions, you know, what is it that allowed us to do what we've done and accomplish and, and to be able to help so many people And it's certainly not because our life's been an easy cakewalk. So it's not that a lot of people assume that if you've had success, it's somehow been pretty easy. Right. But, you know, individually and, and together, we've been through a lot of challenges. So what was that thing that allowed us to get through those challenges and to uh, see a clear path out of it, through it and onto the next thing. And we realized what what kept coming back to was the ability to ask, to formulate the right question at the right time in the right way that would bring a new illumination solution plan, you know, distinction to us that would give us that next step, shine the light in, you know, on the road a little further. And, and sometimes those questions we ask caused a complete pivot in our lives, like an absolute 180 degree pivot. And, um, and, but we also learned it's, it's not just the, the way you ask the question, but, but the way you answer it. And sometimes it takes answering those questions with, you know, a lot of courage, because we say there are three channels through which to ask. And those are ask yourself, ask others and ask God. And each of those we feel is equally important. Yeah, I think that's, those are the important channels. So I'm going to repeat those so that others will pick on those. Ask others, ask God and ask yourself. Those are three critical things you must bring out. But there's also three critical phases to asking this as well. Let's go through some of those things that you have to do and some of the roadblocks in asking. And maybe Mark can jump in on some of these things too. Well, what we discovered 
and, and we've been everywhere, met all these wonderful people. And what happened is the difference between somebody who sees a little duck like and somebody who's vastly successful is one thing only. They had the ability to ASK, to GET what they want. And then we interviewed 26 superstars and we put their stories in the book. But what we discovered universally is there are seven roadblocks to asking. All of us have some of them all of the time. Very few of us get over all of them at any time. But they are a sense of unworthiness and insecurity, naivete, which you don't know and you don't know that you don't know. Doubt, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. I can't ask the dermatologist what to do about this big spot right here in my chest, even though it's whatever, right? Excuses, then there's fear, then there's pattern paralysis. And then the one that gets us in a multiplicity of ways is called disconnection. And when we were in China last four years ago, it was amazing to us, all the people that we were talking to walking down the streets would have two cell phones and theoretically be winged with us. <laughs> oh, you guys are so disconnected. We, as, as you know, because you probably read the Vita, we got five kids and six grandkids. And when the, we got a grandkid sleepover this weekend. And But no cell phones at a meal with <laughs> us because you're going to be connected with uh, Mimi and Grampy. That's just the way it is. Period. I agree with you 100%. I have four daughters and seven grandchildren, Aww. and I won't allow cell phones at our table either. Yeah, I mean, look, they don't they don't understand how precious you are and how precious little time we really get to spend with family seeing as becoming a dermatologist is like a monster activity of time. Whether whether you graduated 22 or 4 or 8, it's slow and tough. It is a tough go and you know, then you have to dedicate yourself to it. And you're consumed by it for many, many years. And, you know, I wasn't the top of my field just by paying lisp service to it. It was something that I had to dedicate to and spend a lot of time in the saddle. I, you know, and I, I enjoyed every moment of it, but I'm jo- enjoying this as well. And understanding and sharing things with experts like yourself is, is really a great thing. Well, now, we have the same thing in the book business. We just absolutely love it, adore it, cherish it, and help people in every way, inclusive the new MarkVictransonLibrary.com. But let's go over any one of those that you want to know about. about the, yeah, I, I want to go through this. If you can imagine it, you can achieve it. If you can dream, dream it, you can achieve it. And if you ask for it, you can attain it. You put the new ask in because you need that in addition to the visualization, in addition to the energizing, in addition to the actionizing. Without the action, without the asking, it doesn't happen. Well, I used to say you got to visualize to realize and actionalize now to materialize. So that is all, everything you've said is, is my words, one, one uh, juxtaposition or another. And it's true. I mean, you know, I visualized that we would ultimately sell a billion books. And in the first year, we'd sell a million and a half, a year and a half, and then five million, and then 10 million, 15 million. And I can tell you now, respectfully, that the sense of doubt on the part of all the publishers is one of those things. They looked at it and they gave us all those pink slips or kicked us out of the office or said, you guys aren't even in reality, right? But that's fine. And and the point is, I'm going to pull it off and do what no one, I've already become world's best-selling author according to Guinness Book of Records. So, and they are really tough at checking your records. So it, it'll get bigger and it'll get better. And I'm going to live be 127 options for renewal. So I got no issues with uh, anybody. I'm very thankful for all the people that turned us down. <laughs> it, it's funny how the doorways open because of our rejections. Right. Right. It's so true. And Mark is so rejection proof. I mean, I would say this book had to be written, ask, because 
He is the boldest asker I have ever seen in my life. It is exactly how he kept moving his life forward. It wasn't because he was smarter than everybody else or he was luckier than everybody else. He's super smart, of course. But his his ability to keep asking and not stop is just the most amazing thing. And, you know, we looked at studies when we wrote this book. And as it turns out, pretty much universally, when you look at all the studies, everyone going into the study had the same perception that if they ask for help, assistance, um, information or advice, they would be perceived as being pushy, obnoxious, ignorant, or just really annoying, right? And uh, that people wouldn't want to help them, that they'd be bothered by them. And all the studies reveal that the opposite is true, that if you just are willing to put yourself out there and ask for what you want in life, um, that there's an 80% more likely chance that your request will be granted. But the other part of the study shows that if you don't ask, people aren't just going to intuitively know what you need. So it requires that asking. It requires that you dig deep and understand that you have to pose the request, whether it's to others, to yourself or to God, however you think of God universe, but um, source, but that asking part is, is what forms, you know, gives form to all of your wishes. It's, it's very specific. And um, the other part of asking others that we found in the studies is that even in business relationships in personal relationships, the people who ask more questions are the ones who are found to be more likable as business colleagues, business partners, um, and even in personal relationships, better partners. Because the more inquiring you are about the person with whom you're dealing, the more interested you are, the more you demonstrate that you see them as a human being who has interesting information to share and that you're interested in getting their feedback. And that is people feel very respected when you ask them questions and they feel, you know, they feel honored in a way. So it really solidifies a relationship. And then in the dating studies, it showed that people who were the best askers were the ones more likely to get a second date. So all of those are such important distinctions for when you think about human relationships and business and in just personal relationships, how important it is to ask. And, you know, we say this in the book, we have it divided in health and wellness relationships, career, and then, you know, your highest spiritual purpose. And, but in, you know, when you're in a trouble in trouble with your personal relationships, the best way forward is, is the asking journey, because in asking each other questions and listening, you will get to a resolution. And that's important. You know, when I looked at your book originally and you came up with the topic of ask, I said, this could have been written by a teenage child because they ask and the parents always say no. And then the answer is they ask again, can I get the keys to the car? The answer is no. Can I get the keys to and the answer keeps going and they keep on asking incessantly till they get the answer they want. Right. They were rejection proof. And at nine years old, my daddy was a Danish baker, but didn't have the money to buy what I wanted a racing hand, a right, a low handlebar racing bicycle. Now very common, but 1957, not so. Um, and it's just astounding that I kept asking. And I finally said, well, can I have it if I earn it myself? Never thinking in today's dollars, a Trek bike that I would want would be $8,000. No, no nine-year-old can turn around that kind of money. But I read the Boy Scout Life magazine. It said, I, I asked myself, 
Could I really sell greeting cards and consignment? I looked up the word and it said they give it to me. I sell them. I sold all the neighbors, 367 neighbors in one month, earned enough back then for a $175 bicycle. Dad took half the money, put it in my college fund, which I, because he said, you're paying your own way to college, which I did. I had no idea what that meant. Uh, when you're nine years old, what do you know? I mean, today at nine, we got a nine-year-old grandson who'll be with us this weekend and, and he's brilliant, but he doesn't know what it means to pay for college, right? And I surely <laughs> didn't know back then, but I um, earned it and became a champion little bicycle racer. But I learned how to ask and I asked all the neighbors in the cold snow of, of Illinois, very much like what you've got right now, I think. I had a big furry mint and I go up mostly to women on Saturday morning because the <laughs> husband was out at work or whatever. And I'd ask, I say, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box Christmas cards or two? And shut up. And they bought and bought and most of them bought two. And it was great fun for me. And it just, it expanded my territory and made me resolute that I got to learn how to sell and market for the rest of my life. All because I learned how to ask, which is the pathway to each and everybody's destiny, whatever that destiny is. Yeah, that's huge. Now, another part of this is something that's you're quoted for is that a major part of manifesting is believing you are worthy uh, for what you're asking for. Because if you're not thinking you're worthy, you won't ask for it. Boy, that is so true. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because we have that section in the book called how to prepare to be a good asker. And you do need to prepare. You need to think about how you are, you know, what is your normal state of being in so part of that pre- preparation is belief. Number one, you have to believe that you're worthy um, of receiving an answer. And you have to believe that your answer is for sure out there somewhere for you, that you just have to keep asking and keep looking and keep wondering and keep being curious. And as you do that, because wonder and curiosity are part of asking, it's all inquiring of, you know, the world around you. So you have to believe it's there for you. And you have to believe you deserve it. And the second part of preparing to be a good asker is visualization. You know, we talk about using the power of your imagination. Um, We're the only animals that have imagination, you know, and it says in scripture, we're created in the image of the creator. So if you think about that, how amazing human beings are, we can imagine something in our, in our mind and, it and create it into being. And if you think about every amazing, wonderful thing that's ever been created on the face of the earth started in someone's imagination. So literally our entire lives really start in our imagination, whether we realize it or not, if we're imagining negative things, if we're imagining the worst, that's probably what we're getting. And we can imagine it at subtle levels. It's part of that baggage we were talking about earlier, but what we're saying to prepare to be a good asker you need to deliberately use your imagination. So we say, you know, go to that stage in your mind in a quiet time, quiet space in your day and deliberately imagine yourself. What, what is my ideal career? What would I like to be doing? How do I see myself doing it? Who am I talking to every day? What products, what services am I selling? How are people responding to me? And start to see and feel the interactions that you actually want in your life. Start to see and feel and imagine the success that you're asking for. And, and you can do the same thing with relationships. What does that relationship feel and look like? What are we doing? How are we interacting? Um, you know, what, what are our adventures together? You can literally engineer your perfect life in reverse. If you use this asking technique, 
by employing, uh, deploying your, your imagination. It's, it's so exciting. And then one of the other um, ways we need to prepare to be a good asker is action. Because as you start to ask for things, Dr. Leko, you will, you will get answers. Things will come to you that you didn't think about before. You'll get new awareness, new awakenings. And that or someone will come to mind or you'll think of an, of an idea. That's the time that you need to take action. You need to write that idea down. You need to pick up the phone and call that person you thought of or explore that author or that expert that, that came to you. You know, all of these things are clues that we're getting, all the feedback we're getting from this perfectly designed universe that we live in. Um, once we start asking, the answers will start coming, but we need to put our asking journey into motion through action. That's true. Now, another quote, knowledge is having the right answer. Intelligence is asking the right question. That came from your materials as well. Well, it's really the overview of wisdom because Solomon, the wisest man of all time, asked for God for wisdom. And what wisdom is having the right, he suggested, is having the right question at the right time to the right person to get the right result. And he said in Psalm 72 going forward, is the job of each of us is to become an influencer of influencers. And that's why you doing this podcast is such a great idea. And podcasts are now literally, like you were saying, the miracle of podcasts is they come in when some, everything else went out. Podcasts are becoming bigger than TV and radio. And, and you know, from your seat in Edmonton, you literally can talk to 8 billion people. And pretty soon they'll be instantaneously translated we're the most, it, we're in, you know, you and I had to read the same stuff in high school. I expect the best of times or worst times. I put a comma on that. And if you're intelligent, you say it's the best times. If I make it the best times, like Chris was just saying, <laughs> and we've chosen that we see every problem that exists, but we're saying, Hey, wait a second. We're going to surmount it. It's possible if you learn how to ask. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. I, I, I think that's important. Uh, now quote from Confucius, the man who asks the question is a fool for a minute. The man who does not ask the question is a fool for life. Oh, I love that. You want to take care of it? I wish it reminds me of, I'm just going to say this really quickly. It reminds me of what we were talking about with children. So children, we all come into this world as these beautiful, uncorrupted askers. We're not afraid to ask because we don't have that self-consciousness, right? That we develop as we get older, but you know, we're not afraid to ask who, what, when, where, why, how all the time and pretty much ask for more, 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 whatever we want. But depending on how we were parented, what happened in our school years, we got shut down. Stop asking. I'm tired of hearing you. Don't ask without raising your hands or your opinions not valued when you, you know, at your work or job, you stop asking, right? You shut down and that's when you become foolish. You know, <laughs> children were born brilliant and we become foolish. Like Confucius said, Right. Because we're standing there as adults oh, yeah. afraid to ask for anything. Yeah. Someplace around grade three, I think that that questioning stops because of all the shutdowns that start to happen and all the negativity that happens from the questions that are asked. Before then, it's it's very easy for children to ask and to ask questions about everything. It, it, precisely. I, I wrote something yesterday about uh, the pe person who turned me on to reading. Reading books were not in my environment when I was a little kid. And in high school, I was in John Reinhardt's class and, and learned everything about Shakespeare and Greek mythology. But we were there the day that John Kennedy got shot and killed. And the principal says it's 2.15. Everyone gets to go home. 
And John said, hold, uh, Mr. Reinhardt said, hold on, everybody. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the greatest president ever. We've all read Camelot. We've all studied the president. We've studied a little bit about geopolitics and call your parents and see if you can stay late. And I was a sophomore in English. And it just made us cry. It was just so poignantly powerful because he asked us to stay. He asked us to, that like we cared. He asked us to share. He asked us to make it matter. And then just to tie it up, when I won the Book of the Year Award at McCormick Place in front of 60,000 people, my parents had passed away and he was close in Waukegan, Illinois. So I called up John and, and his wife, uh, Ms. Reinhardt, and I said, uh, hey, would you guys be my honored guest? I'm allowed to bring in two people. And it just, it made my soul sing because I was able to ask and, and show him the reflected glory of what great inspiring teaching does. A la your story, he didn't shut us down. He opened us up with questions and awareness and insight and told us you got to go to theater while you're growing up and music and concerts. And you've got to be omni well-read. And I'll just do his wife, Ellen, did one thing. I was at the house one time with my younger brother and said, Johnny loves books so much, he'd have them on a ceiling mark if he could only figure out how to put them in store. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And I think that's huge. Now, Crystal, you have said we need to just step on our fear and crush it with some courage and get out there and start asking. Crystal, how do you step on that fear? Because that is what's holding most people back. Right. You know, it's so important for me because we all feel fear, you know, we all have, you know, Mark and I give ourselves big assignments, big tasks. And often we're standing in front of a whole bunch of people, really important people, people that are awe inspiring, and it's easy to get intimidated, or, you know, something big happens that requires, uh, you know, you to step up and, and really show up. So what my go to um, is to go into that quiet space and where, you know, I think the only true creative space you have is in that quiet space with yourself. And I imagine myself doing whatever it is I have to do with excellence, with brilliance, with guidance from God, source, universe. I imagine myself doing it with great love because I think um, often when we're feeling intimidated, by a task, um, if we get out of our head and get out of our self-consciousness and negative thinking and just focus on the love part, like, you know, how can I contribute? How can I serve? How can I serve better? No matter what's going on, that's huge for me. It really takes me out of that head space into my heart space. And your heart is so wise and so intelligent. They say scientists have now found that there are actually 40,000 neural connections in your heart that are very similar to the brain, like a little mini brain in your heart. But the difference between your heart and your head is you don't have sort of that life, uh, the right brain, left brain tug pull that you have in your brain. Your heart is kind of this true guide oftentimes to leading you to, to do something or at least do your best, the best you can. So if you do it from a place of love, then you stop the self-judgment goes away right? And um, I think your efforts just become a lot more pure and, uh, and your intentions become more pure. And it's just, it's a happier space to, to be in. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Now, going back to the beginning of your book, the book of Ask, you start with one of the largest parables that's been written in a book. Uh, can you 
tell us a little bit about what it means because it's on several different levels. And if people don't read it properly, they might come up with the wrong conclusion. Right, exactly. So Mark and I, you know, what we we were brainstorming about this. We're like, let's write a fable. We love fables. We were going to do it with an animal. And then I said, why don't we just do it with a girl? And so we were, with our writing, we'll pass it back and forth a lot. When we were both writing this, he's writing his pieces. I'm writing mine. We put it together. We edit. So I thought I'll start it and then pass it to him. And once I started writing it, it just like, I was just like taking dictation or channeling what like this story that seemed to exist somewhere. And it was so much fun for me. And um, I realized that it, it would be really fun. I, I've been very blessed to have these amazing dreams in my life that have guided me through difficult situations. So I sort of drew on my dreams a little bit, but changed the the circumstances because this is the fable of Michaela, right? So Michaela's a girl that um, you know she's it's set in the time of kings and queens, and she Michaela has basically lost everything. She lost her mother, she lost her father in a very short time of one another, and then the bill collectors took away her home. So she's for the bills that were owed for her parents' illnesses. So she's sleeping in a grove of trees. And she's basically becoming an indentured servant at a stone quarry. So her life every day is about moving heavy rocks from one place to another. And, uh, you know, I think that's where a lot of people feel their life is right now, Dr. Lake. So I think it was very powerful. But Michaela goes into this, she goes into an exhausted sleep and she has a dream. And this being comes to her in her dream and takes her to this place. And he shows her this beautiful sparkling bridge the asking bridge and he admonishes her to start asking and never stop. That's the key. And the second she wakes up, something's changed inside of her already. She has a new realization that she's been missing something because she's not asking. So she goes to the quarry that day and she starts to wonder because wonder and curiosity are a form of asking, right? You're, you're posing a question in your own mind. What is this? Who is this? What could that mean? Could I learn something? So she starts looking around the people at her in, a, in her environment in a different way. And then she starts little by little to ask questions. And as she continues this journey, she keeps asking and her life just keeps growing in these incredible layers. The more she asks, the more it grows. And by the end of the fable, as you know, her life has become 180 degrees different than when she started. And she's discovered those amazing gifts that were inside of her all the time. So we've had people, I mean, grown men break down and cry (laughs) when they read this. They're like, I've never, we've talked to podcasters who have said, I've never cried in a book before, but this made me cry because people see themselves inside of this fable, Dr. Leica. And it's been amazing. Or they'll wake their teenage daughter up and go, I need, we need to read this together or their wife, you know, and I'm sure that you know the uh, book, The Alchemist, which is the only book ever to sell 150, 150 million copies. Mm-hmm. And they're just finishing making that in uh, Morocco right now. And the people that are doing it are discussing with us making her fable. And it, it will be great. So everybody out there, get two copies of the book. Read it and go over every question in the book. You ask somebody, somebody asks you, and write out your answers. And it will be profoundly illuminating and you want to do that before the movie comes out because the movie will just, uh, you know, you'll forget to read the book. And the book needs to give you full illumination and absolute awareness to ascend from self-awareness to self-expression to self-mastery up to self-realization, as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important because your book, as I said, although it's simplistic in its concept, is very <laughs> difficult to comprehend and to implement because you must really implement it at all those levels. And if you don't implement it, the full results will not be there. That's right. It's profoundly simple, but simply well said. profound. That's well said. Yeah. That's right. So, Crystal, you say that one of the things you do is literally pick up people, get the dirt and mud off them, clean them up, <laughs> and help them get through the messy things and help them shine. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Here he is. He there he is. There he is. Example number one. There's example number one. Let's use some more examples, Crystal. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's funny. I've always seen people that way. Like when, even before I started my practice, like when they had issues, I could see through all of that, through their stuff. I think if, if I have any gift that God gave me, it's that, um, because I know everybody has this beautiful, perfected state and all of the other stuff is just stuff that we just need to like recognize, become aware of. Um, and the minute you become aware of it, you can, you can clean it up. You can get rid of, it. I call it mind excavation, right? We start to dig, go down that dig and go, Ooh, that's what's there. Ooh, get rid of that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we just do mind excavation until it's all clean. And then come back to this, what I call the zero point where it's like, okay, you've taken on all this garbage your whole life that you didn't even necessarily mean to, or was brought on by other, you know, people who were in charge of you or just experiences you had. Now, you know, you're in charge. And so from the zero point on, you get to deliberately create life the way you want it. And so that's powerful, right? So now you can just emerge as this shiny, beautiful, amazing person that you were meant to be, right? And knowing that you get to deliberately do that is just so wonderful. It's so empowering. Well, that's huge. That's huge. Now, I'm going to switch it one more time because I want to get some more into this interview so we can take it all away. And <laughs> now you talk about goals and you talk about SMART goals and you use SMART as an acronym to help people to understand what they should be. Who would like to take that one? Crystal. <laughs> You're the goal okay, guy. Okay, You're the so goal guy. <laughs> what I say is you got to set absolutely outrageous, bodacious goals that are impossible. I mean, because you can do, if you do, all I need to do is go to work every day. That is a, a perfunctory goal as far as I'm concerned. If all you want to do is just graduate school, perfunctory. But if you not only want to graduate, but do something while you're in school, phenomenal. Now, what we're teaching there under goal setting is it has four parts. Number one, you got to ask yourself, what do I really want to be, do, and have? And really, then number two is it's got to be put in writing, right? Like I want, I still want to sell a billion books. And I'm halfway to goal. So I'm not far away. I mean, a goal is a destination and a journey with a deadline. And it's got to be exciting to you. It's got to be believable, desirable, attainable as an objective that means to you, not to your spouse necessarily, your boss, your company, but something that means something to you. And, and I want to see if I can't help one eighth of humanity you know, really get after it and read some powerful stuff. And I've got a lot of people that follow my books. I'm very thankful for that. Um, some of it even astounds me. So you figure out what you want, put it in writing. Number two, three, you've got to, as we've said again and again, you've got to visualize it, which means you've got to inner image it. You've got to impress a picture that you want. And when we're doing ask, what we did is 
we literally took a picture of it and we wrote, uh, we are going to sell over a million books in the time. And then you put it on the mirrors because when you're either shaving as a man or doing makeup as a woman, it goes through the portal of the pupil into the depth of the soul. And whatever, as I said, what you impress, you express from external visual to internalizing it to ownership. And then the fourth thing is you got to have a team. One and one equals 11. A mastermind dream team. Team means together everyone accomplishes miracles. And your team builds a third new mind. And Andrew Carnegie discovered that when he read the Gospels. He saw Jesus never did his first miracle, water into wine and cane, until he had 12 disciples synchromesh going the same direction. He said, wow. And then he became then the richest man in the world. Today, it'd be 400 billion. And I've been to his house in New York at 95th and 5th Avenue. His house is 30,000 acre estate in Dornock, Scotland. So I'm pretty scholarly in him, but it's no different than what, uh, and I'll be very brief with this, but Elon Musk asked himself in 1995, if I only had five things I could do during my lifetime, what do I want to do? Well, one of them was Tesla, one of them was SpaceX, one of them is Neuralink. And now Neuralink, he's got, we've got a brother-in-law that had a tragic accident and he's taking crippled people and making them walk again with Neuralink, which, you know, you could just, it's just amazing what you can do when you start asking big, profound, exciting, smart, wise questions. Yeah, that, that's huge. That's huge. And asking those questions, setting those goals, uh, getting up and taking action, visualizing, those are important things. Now, one uh, key that you say, uh, Mark, is that before you go to bed at night, you should ask and you should think about the things, the answers you want. How does that affect you? When I was bankrupt and upside down back in 1974, I'd read a book called The Magic of Believe by Claude Bristol. And it said, ask yourself, what is it you really want? Well, back then, making 100,000 years, like making a million today. So 100,000 is 250 workdays, $400 a day. So I went to bed going, imploding into my con. Where am I going to find 400, 400, 400, 400, 400? I did 101 times before I went to sleep. In the middle of the night, about 2.59 in the morning, an idea came to my mind that I had no idea what it said, Bill Widener. So I wrote it down. I thought, okay, state mutual. Now I was working in the life insurance business. Metropolitan was one of my big clients, Prue State Farm, but I'd never heard of this company, but I wrote it down. Next day at lunchtime, I'd done two talks in the morning. I'm at lunch, cold calling, and here's a metropolitan building that I'm going to go in. And all of a sudden, on the sign in front, it says state mutual, Bill Widener. Well, I walked to the desk, nobody's there. So I go straight to his office. He gave me $400 check in five minutes. He said, I didn't care if you came back. You just made me feel so good to, <laughs> to be able to give you the money because I'd learned this great close. Do you want to cut the check in his case, uh, Bill, or do you want to have your secretary cut it? Well, I clearly saw she wasn't there, so he cut it. I did do the seminar. I, I went on to do a lot of work with his company, which I'd never heard of because there are a lot of big invisible companies. And it, it just, what it means is, and it's the same for finding a title for a book or, or making sure you know what your destiny is, what we're teaching mm -hmm. now, just to close that loop, is that we're saying everybody is coded by God at a soul destiny level. And you got to mm -hmm. say, God, what's your destiny for me? 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 And be ready, probably in the middle of the night, tell your sweetiekins, I don't know if anything about Mark and Crystal, but they've done pretty well. They say the idea will come and I got to turn on the lights and write it down immediately because you're all, I'm an instant forgetter because an idea is like a wet, slippery fish and you got to gaff it pretty instantly. Yeah, especially in the middle of the night. I mean, there's a lot of good ideas that come in the middle of the night that you forget and they're gone by morning. Oh, 
Yeah, God doesn't give it. You you know, God wakes you up and Crystal, one of the chapters in one of her many best-selling books, Pure Thoughts for Pure Results, is is mm-hmm. silence. And in this silence, you got to listen. And when you're listening and, and you've got all the, the reason I say in the middle of the night, it usually happens is because the kids aren't crying, the dogs aren't barking, the animals aren't upset, your clients aren't there. There's no conflict in the house. And the idea is you're now in an alpha state and it goes, oh my gosh, it just came through. But you've got to get your little butt out of bed and go out of the room and write it down or write it down there and have a, a pen light or whatever you got, whatever it takes to record it and keep it. And it, and I was good friends with Red Skelton, as you may remember him, one of the greatest comedic geniuses of all times. And Red said, one night I was sure I had the best idea ever, Mark. And he said, I wrote down, write play. And he said, I woke up the next morning and I said, what in the hell is that? I don't know what to write in this play. Because he had the whole play he needed. He said, after that, I always got up and wrote the thing in detail. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to asking now. We're going to be closing in about five minutes here. So there are three parts to asking and three channels at three critical phases. Let's go through those. Right. So the three, just as a reminder, the three channels are ask yourself, ask others, ask God, ask yourself is your reflective journey. Asking others is that bonding journey. Okay. Cause we can't, can't, cannot be a lone ranger in this life. If we don't learn to ask, you know, we cannot do anything alone in this life. We're meant to interact, to bond, to be a resource to one another. So re- ask yourself is that reflective journey where you can reflect on what you've done, where you've been, so you can learn from that and go forward, right? Reflective journey, the bonding journey is ask others. And ask God is that journey that takes you as an individual in this life and puts you in a much bigger context, a much greater and more meaningful context. What is your purpose in this kingdom called earth, right? Because you are as important of a player as any other individual or human being. And we're all important because we're all connected um, in this, literally this fabric of humanity and life on this planet. All of it's a great gift to all of us. Each one of us is a great gift to all of us and to this planet. And this planet, this living planet that just provides endless food and water and abundance is a great gift to us. So when you put your life in that context of what is my purpose in this kingdom, in this universe, it, it's, it's exciting and it gives you so much more clarity and a sense of deeper purpose. So um, it, that to me is, is one of the most important parts of this journey. Now let's talk about the critical phases that you were talking about. So when you do start the ask yourself part there, we do say there are three critical phases of that. So the first critical phase is where am I now, right now? Because sometimes we're just hurling like a comet through space and we don't stop to see, to even wonder or ask any questions or wonder if any of it's working or is any of it, making us happy? Are we even on the right path, right? So where am I now? Do I like what's happening? Is it making me happy? Is it fulfilling me? You know, what am I missing? The second critical phase is, so so where am I now? Second critical phase is where do I want to be? What do I really, really want in my heart and mind? Because people are afraid to even go there. They just accept what is. They take all their cues from their sensory environment around them and just keep doing it. It's one of our uh, roadblocks is pattern paralysis. That's getting stuck in that pattern where you're doing the same thing yesterday, the day before last week and last year, and you're going to do the same thing next week, 
next month and next year. And, and it's not working. It's not making you happy. So what do I really want? Uh, uh, where do I want to be? Where is my end goal in my life? What do I really want to be? That's the phase, critical phase number two. And then the third critical phase is what specific actions do I need to take to get there? All those are so important. They're all those three critical phases of the ask yourself part. And if we remember those as we're asking ourselves, where am I now? Where do I want to be? What action steps do I need to take to get there? It will just, it will cue you up to, and put you on that right path as you're going through the questions and asking in your journal. And I always, we encourage people to read back their journal, you know, and, and see, you'll start to see the progress and the breakthroughs. And, you know, just like Michaela, you'll start to realize that you are becoming a completely different person in so many good ways, um, you know, than you were when you started the journey. Yeah, this, that's profound. And I thank you very much today. Well, I'm going to keep you on your time frame with your hard stop. <laughs> and I want to tell everybody to get the book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, which is a very profound book. It's very simple but at the same time, very profound. Uh, something you should read over and over and over again. Drop some sheets, implement them, and, and work on it. Because just like everything, if you don't work on it, it's never going to happen. Nope, that's exactly right. Well, thank you, Dr. Leica. We have, it's been a pleasure. You are a wonderful uh, host. And uh, what an honor it is to be on your show. And uh Blessings to everybody in the audience who's listening. Reach out to us. We're on social media at Crystal Dwyer Hansen, Mark Victor Hansen. Let's stay connected because connection is important. And let us know about your asking journey. We love it when people post their own videos and share them on our Facebook pages. Love that. We do Thank a little you. thing called askthebookclub.com. It's free to you. Just type in askthebookclub.com. We want to help you on your journey to become master askers. Excellent. Yes. A very important step. Uh, you'll find out more at that at that site. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Victoria. And to our listeners, you will have all this information in the show notes, so stay tuned. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Did you know that you can get a free copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life? Yep. Just visit 13gpnow.ca and we'll send it right to you. That's the number 13gpnow.ca. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic day. 